The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where we talk about the panic level that we have on certain struggling hitters. We'll talk about some major pitcher injuries yesterday, or at least major pitchers. We don't know if they're major injuries. Uh, that and a whole lot more coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Vivid Seats and Rival Fantasy. Appreciate their sponsorship, as always. I'm Jeff Erickson, here with Fred Zinke, as we try to cut, tackle a lot of... Uh, t- co- uh, I was going to say, pa- we could parse through our way of uh, certain topics, topical uh, issues of the day. Uh, th- I want to start off right off the top. Juan Soto is hitting 164. He has three homers. He's got, uh, he has struck out 17 times. He's also walked 17 times. Uh, but this is a, a definitely disappointing start to the season if you have Juan Soto. 11 runs, seven RBI. Not what you're paying for when you get uh, that first round pick. No, I think, I think it's always also, you know, a lot more concerning when it comes on the heels of a, of a down season the previous year, right? Like yeah. when it's a bounce back player, potential bounce back player, that's always the big concern, right? So you're, so now it's not, you know, a, any other slow starter or a lot of other slow starters who are high picks, you're just like, well, whatever guys, it's two bad weeks. It's two bad weeks. Just happens to be in April and not in July. It's two bad weeks. But when it's two bad weeks coming off, um, you know, a, a down year last year where his his OPS dipped about 100 points. Um, and now we got another drop so far this year. Uh, you start to wonder. I mean, this is Juan Soto is, what, 24 years old. And I would say two years ago, he was being discussed as possibly the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, pure genera- generational, pure good hitter. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of really think it all started about the time when uh, the contract negotiations got leaked. Uh, and there's some dispute as to who leaked him uh, when he was with the Nats, how he turned down that 15-year, $440 million offer, uh, which, you know, as we know from our history at the Nationals, you know, a lot of that could be deferred. A lot of that could be different. Um, that they're, They have a history of kind of like presenting something as, as one thing, and it's really perhaps not quite that. Uh, but at any rate, you know, you can almost tie his performance to that point. And then when he got traded to the Padres, he struggled last year. It wasn't like it's yep. it's not like it's new this year that he struggled. 
No, I mean, yeah, you're like you said, like his his OPS with Washington wasn't great. It was 894. But then as soon as he got traded, well, not as soon as, while he was with the Padres, it dipped. An, and so the 894 is about 100 points below the previous year. And then it dipped another 100 points roughly once he went to San Diego to 778. And then this year it's dipped almost another 100 points so far to 707. So we've got someone who is basically a 1,000 OPS player or close to it in the first four seasons of his career who – you know, in, during his time in San Diego has been like a uh, 750, 730 OPS player. Like that is an enormous change. Um, yeah. And now it's time to figure out why. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of uh, stats. First of all, though, you know, I think part of the why is emotional, is mental. Uh, I think it's got to be. And, and in fact, there's an article in Sports Illustrated uh, that discusses that a little bit there uh, and how the trade talks and then the trade itself emotionally wrecked him. Um, and that, that, that probably plays a part, at least in terms of the last year, you would figure though, that that's kind of passed a little bit this year. You think, I mean, you have to think so like this somewhat, like for someone like Soto, who's been an amazing baseball prospect for a long time and has, and then had a great major league career to, career to start and has clearly played sports under a lot of pressure and mental duress. Okay. Sure. Like last season in the summer, maybe you were impacted, but I mean, he's been welcomed to San Diego with open arms and yep. that's a good team and a popular team. And he's a popular player and he had the whole off season with all that popularity around him. And now, you know, you thought this year I have zero shares of Soto, but I wasn't against getting him. He just always went a little higher than I was interested in drafting him. Um, I don't know if that excuse really holds water, like, like the kind of between the ears excuse. I don't know if that really holds water anymore i don't know i mean it could be the reason but uh, yeah we, we we definitely see in his advanced stats some dips like like for example in Statcast, like his xba his x slug his x woba those things are all they're all supposed to be way better than they have been so far this year right but what they're supposed to be is still not what he was in 2019 2020 2021 yeah, that's correct. And I've got his StatCast page up. I'm kind of looking at some of the uh, indicators here. Uh, he said he's been quoted as saying he's pulling the ball on the ground too much. Uh, he's grounding out the second base too much. There, there's some validity to that, yep. uh, both in terms of the raised ground ball rate, which is up to 54.5%. That's about as high. I think that's as high as it's ever been for him. Although, ironically, last year his ground ball rate was pretty darn low at 474 uh, but his pull percentage is higher than it's ever been too at 36.4. He is working. He said he's working on trying to get it over the shortstop's head a little bit more. Uh, he's also had, hitting fewer line drives. It, it, it kind of follows. In fact, his line drive rate is way low, Brad, yeah. at 0.8%. It's either a fly out or a ground ball percentage. He's also striking out more than he's ever struck out before too at 22%. Yeah, that's more of a human. I mean, it's it's so early, right? I know I can hear people listening to this being like, guys, come on, it's still so early. But, you know, I mean, he's getting up close to 100. He's at 78. He'll be at 100 PAs before we know it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that strikeout rate of 21.8% is a big jump from the, the past three years. Um, it's, it's the worst of his career. He was at 20 the first couple of years and was still a really good offensive player. Even mm -hmm. when we, when Soto was emerging as, like I said, possibly the best hitter in baseball, he still had a ground ball rate that was higher, much higher than we would like a ground ball rate around 50% fly ball rates more around 30%. That's not what we really want to see from an elite fantasy player. Um, this year, the hard contact rates down, 
um, you know, to kind of checking his Fangraphs page. Um, and like you said, like the line drives are almost non-existent. So it's, it's a lot of ground balls. The average exit velocity's down. His, his, like his XBA looks very human now and not special. Uh, this is a, a big hole for him to climb out of because it's both a power and a batting average dip. It's not like he's doing one, but not doing the other. Oh, you know, he's still hitting 300, but it's a pretty empty batting average so far. Or He's got six home runs already or something, but he's hitting 200. Like it's an across the board dip. Um, even last year, the power dip was still fairly slight, like 27 homers from 29 the year before, not a big dip this year. Yeah. Everything looks, everything's down. But now the question is like, what do you do about it? Right. Right. In an NFBC league, you just keep throwing them back out there and cross your fingers. You're not benching Juan Soto under any circumstances. I I can't imagine. So in an NFBC league, you're just throwing them back out there in a trading league, because I know you mentioned that sometimes when you're recording with Scott, like, let's not forget that many of our listeners, including us, do play in some trading leagues. Um, You know, what's fair value for Soto right now? Uh, And that's a tremendous question. Uh, you know, so he, on average, he was like the 16th player taken. Uh, if you are to sell a little lower, um, you're, you're, you're I think the Raphael Devers, uh, manager is not going to take Soto for him. Right. We have to dip a little lower than that. Uh, and I'm just looking at hitters. If you have Paul Goldschmidt, who's going through a little bit of a slump of his own right now, do you take Soto for gold? Do you trade uh, Goldschmidt for Soto? Who says no? I'll, I, I will still take Goldschmidt. I did not have them very far apart on draft day. Okay. I was probably a little higher on Goldschmidt than the average person. And and so far, like he's like he's only has one home run. But I, other than that, he's hitting three twenty two. He's got two steals. He just could have a couple more home runs. Would make me feel a lot better. But yeah, I, I'll I'll take Goldschmidt right now because, like I said, I was pretty in on Goldschmidt on draft day. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can find a better one. Go to our earned auction value. So the thing is like, you know, it's going to be, you have to look really far to find where Soto is on this, mm-hmm. on the earned auction values. Cause he's done so little, but uh, I'm uh, going to look at NFBC ADP and see how low we can go. Yeah. I, I have the main event ADP up. Uh, Randy Rosarena pick 37. That's one pick higher than that's the Rosarena's average pick was 37. Soto's max was 36. Are you two side? Are you taking there? A Rosarena. What do, the rest what do you of you're taking a Rosarena. Interesting. What do you? What do? You, so, would you make that trade with me? Would you take Soto? I think I might. Okay. I think that's. Uh, there's a little bit of faith here. Uh, now, I will say this: um, Is it possible that just pitchers have figured out how to pitch Soto a little bit more? I'll give you. And the reason I ask that is just from a statistical uh, standpoint. Uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of Christian Yelich. Uh, when Yelich started to decline a little bit, the zone swing percentage is going, you know, pitches in the zone. They're going, the swing percentage of pitches in the zone is going down. It was at 60% at one point in time in his career. You know, average, that was like this floor. Last year's uh, 56.3%. This year, 53%. Meaning he's not making, he's not swinging at pitches in the zone as much as he used to. His contact percentage on pitches in the zone this year is 80.5%. It used to be at 86%. Um, his chase rate is obviously up. Because of that, he's swinging at more pitches out of the zone. Uh, our pitch uh, is it just are they are more pitchers throwing this sweeper at him, and is he struggling against that? Is is there are they finding a way to fool him a little bit more, or is this just a blip? That's what I want to know. Is this a, is this something we can bank on? 
I don't know how quickly these rates stabilize. And the WIP percentage is way up. WIP percentage is up to 27.5%. Last year is 19.2 per point of reference. Yeah. So, what, yeah, we could summarize a lot of that. And he's actually just not playing as well. Yeah. Like he's, 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 he's swinging and missing more often, like he said, at pitches in the zone. That's, that's the big, I'm looking at his play discipline here on his Fangrass page right now. Like, that's a huge difference. He's, when he's swinging at pick, pitches in the zone, he's missing them. And it may be, it may be as simple as that as far as the batting average changes uh, from him from the past. I'm kind of talking so. myself out of this here. I might think, I, I think I'm going to stick with Rosarena. Um, especially because Rosarena is going to run and yeah. Soto's probably not. That was, that was part of my thinking. And just, and the Rays, I know the Rays have played over their heads so far, but they look like they're going to have a competent offense. Yeah. The, Ra- the Rays lineup going into the year could have kind of gone either way. Could have been good. It's not star studded. It could have not been good. Um, so far, it looks like it will be, will be a pretty good lineup. Um, let me just see if I can grab one more. I'm trying to stick in the world of outfielders. Um, just pull up it's hard to find there. outfielders in that range. You have to count. Uh, Corbin Carroll. Well, Four it. homers, six steals already. And one walk now. Congratulations wow. on your first walk, Corbin Carroll. Yeah, he's uh, got an 813 OPS, which is totally fine. Not, it's not amazing, but it's plenty good enough to have an, a massive amount of fantasy value, right? Like 813 OPS is is just fine because we're not running a real baseball team, mm-hmm. and, right? So like like Trey Turner has often given us great fantasy seasons. Last year, 809 OPS, great fantasy season. So Corbin Carroll can have an OPS in the 800s. He can have a great fantasy season as long as he keeps hitting home runs like he has and stealing bases like he has. 11 runs so far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the six steals, five of which I think came against Thor. Uh, so he, he doesn't get to face him anytime in, in, in a while. Uh, Hasn't been hitting leadoff even yet. He's been hitting fifth and sixth mostly. So you got to think if he keeps this up, maybe he'll get some chances to hit higher in the lineup. That's now, now we're starting to talk in the forties and fifties here, even with like the late season helium on Carroll. Yeah. Uh, a lot of FOMO picks on him. Uh, although he did go as early as 30th once. So there is that, you know, it, after that, I mean, you're, it's hard to find another, the next, like Luis Robert would be the next outfielder drafted. What's Robert doing so far? I don't have any Luis Robert, uh, by the way, I know he had like four he's homers. Hurt. He's five homers so far. Okay. No stolen bases. Uh, but What's 11, Jimenez, sorry, I was thinking of who's hurt. Yeah, you're right. Robert's been, yeah. Good. Eloy's the been one good. that was, is hurt. Yeah. He's Eloy's hurt. Back. Robert's been good. Yeah, 857 OPS, five homers, 277 average. I know the strikeout to walk's not good for him or Carroll. Okay, I'll say that I I'll start first. I'll take Soto over either of these two. Okay, I, I think I think with Carroll, like like he's certainly exciting. Mm-hmm. He could he could steal 40 bases, 45 bases this year. It's totally possible. Just his sample size is so small. Like, yeah, the bottom could fall out of this kid at any time, and he could have a massive slump. So. I just, a Rosarena to me is a lot more established than Corbin Carroll. And then with Robert, it's just the injuries. Like, I just don't know if I'm ready to, uh, investing in Robert as a, as a full year asset, like changing my opinion on Robert from the beginning of the season probably doesn't really make any sense because going into the season, I was like, this guy's a good baseball player who gets hurt too much. Right. Right. And so why would that have changed so far? He's been a good baseball player. So far, he hasn't really had that much time to get hurt. Let's just wait and see. I think Juan Soto, like, I was close on a Rosarena. So I would rather have those, like, second-round type first baseman at this point over Soto, like Alonzo, Freeman, like those guys for sure, Goldschmidt, um, 
Matt Olson would be an interesting dilemma. He's off to a good start. A little bit BABIP induced, though. Yeah, um, a lot of strikeouts in that profile. Yeah, so, so that would be a tough one. Um, he still is Juan Soto. Like I, the Rosarena one is tough for me. I think anything lower than that, I think like as far as a hot starter, I think I'm. I think I'm out. I think I. I think at that point I'll just stick to my guns on Soto and hope it works out. Okay. But these are the we talked about this last week about buy low and sell high and how it's not as simple when people are like, oh yeah, buy low, sell high. It's, it's easy. It's not easy because no, we're talking right now about Juan Soto. Like you can maybe go get Juan Soto right now, who was a first round pick for a lot of draft season. You can go get Juan Soto right now for Randy Rosarena and maybe in some leagues for Corbin Carroll. So go ahead, buy low and sell high on Corbin Carroll or sell high on a Rosarena. But do you actually want to do that? Because yeah. it might, it might not actually, it might not make your team better in the long run. So right. figuring out where your dividing line is on buy low, sell high is, is the fun of the game. Yeah, it is. It is. And even more so in a keeper league or a dynasty league. Yes. You really have to make that call because that call is forever. You have to live with it. I'm probably much, much, much more likely to wait Soto out in one of those leagues. And that's where I have Soto is the XFL. And it's an OBP league at least. So I've got that going for me. But I almost feel like he walk, tries to walk too much. I don't know. Maybe, I, I, a little bit of, yeah, I felt like that about Bryce Harper at times. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, I don't as much anymore. I feel like he's figured out how to be a guy who walks a lot, but is also really good. But there were times where I felt like that. Sure. Bryce Harper, where there's that 130 walk season in 2018. And there were times, but he hit 249 that year. And there were times where I was like, I know all these walks are the right thing to do from a baseball perspective, but he would be more valuable from a fantasy perspective. If he could turn a few more of those into, to batted balls because it would help him get more home runs and, and 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 you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I I think the same thing a little bit about Soto. And I know San Diego's not the best park to hit in. Um, there's that, but I don't know. He seems like a good enough hitter. Maybe it takes a few home runs away, but it doesn't. He shouldn't be hitting in the low 200s because of the park. Yeah, like, that's I agree. not like like Manny Machado he plays there and he plays great. So maybe not this year. Actually, so far he's been just okay. But like you, Soto is way too good of a hitter to say. Well, he's in San Diego, so he can't hit. Yeah, I, I agree. That with shouldn't that. really be the thing with him. Yeah, I like agree. I said, it could take a homer or two away, but it doesn't doesn't make him a two twenty hitter or something along those lines. Okay, yeah. let's uh, tackle a few other slow starters uh, and want and gauge our panic levels on them. Jose Abreu is hitting two thirty nine. He has zero home runs, seven RBI, four runs scored, despite hitting in front of Kyle Tucker. There's no speed to speak of here. He yes, uh, three barrels all season long. How panicked are you about Jose Abreu? I'd say fairly panicked. Um, there's someone else that I have no shares of, but I wasn't against drafting him. I just, yeah. where, where he went, there were always just players I liked just, just a little bit more. Um, but the, my concern with Abreu is that his power disappeared last year. Mm-hmm. So again, like Soto, except with Abreu, it's even more concerning because he's 36 years old. And he just right. went from a team where it's fairly not easy, but easier to hit home runs at their park to a team, maybe not quite as easy. So I, I don't know this, this one to me is concerning. I thought maybe he could have like a boring 90 RBI season with the Astros. Like maybe he only hits 20 homers, but he hits 290 or 280 or something. And then because he hits in the middle of a good lineup, he drives in 90 runs and you're like, Oh, it wasn't pretty, but you know what? It got the job done. Um, I, I'm worried the the walk rates way down the strikeout rates way up. Maybe it's just a slow start from a veteran player, but 
I think if I if I had a Bray, I would definitely be open to selling low on him. And different than Soto, I don't think I really want to buy low on him. I, they would have to be a really good offer. Soto, right. I'm, to, I'm Soto, I'm interested. Like I would, when we were talking about that a Rosarena Soto trade. If I had a Rosarena, like I would be thinking long and hard about making it. Even though I said I would take Rosarena, I would be thinking long and hard about Soto. That would be a tough one. I agree. Jose Jose Abreu, I. If I have a first baseman who's, you know, was much later or decently later in drafts, but is off to a good start, I don't know if I'm looking to switch to Abreu right now. I, I, I can't blame you uh, on this one here. I know there was a lot of talk. Well, the Crawford boxes are going to cover this up a little bit. It's, he's going to love those Crawford boxes. Mm-hmm. He and Alex Bregman. Oh, here's another guy struggling, yeah. too, by the way. Um, the, in fact, the Astros. I mean, they, 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 they lit fire last night to Kevin Gossman, but uh, I do worry about a couple of their lineup. It's not quite as strong. The Dodgers aren't quite as strong. It's interesting to see some of these, our mainstays yeah. kind of struggling a little bit, but I'm legit worried about Abreu. Um, you know, we, and again, this is another situation where the end of last season was a harbinger to what happened this season. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, And just when you factor in the age for me, that makes it, you know, a much bigger deal, right? Yeah. That he's at an age where sometimes players do fall off quite quickly. So, and would last you take, year, would last you take year, Rowdy Telez for a Brayu? If, if someone offered you Rowdy Telez and his five homers so far for a Brayu, would you take it? Yep, I yes, would too. I have no Telez shares, but I was on him in draft season. Like again, he was another player where, like, I was fine with where he went. I just would often you know, want to get a pitcher in that round or, or want to get some steals or something in that round. So I just never ended up with him, but I was fine with where he went. And like you said, he's off to a solid start. I think he's figured out his recipe for success. The lack of shifts should help him. Yeah. I'll take Telez. Luis Arias. I saw his name come up in the chat. He does qualify at third uh, at first. So let's go ahead and bring him up here. ADP was 229. You're This is 130 picks later than what Abreu was going for. He's got one homer, but he's hitting 455. He, he's a great contact hitter, although his hard hit rates aren't really all that high. Um, would you accept Luis Arias and just take the loss on a brave? No, I think that one's no, that one's too far a little bit for me. I, I might. Yeah, I, I could. I guess I can see it. His Babbitt this year is 480. So like, like he is what he is. He's pro- he's going to hit 300 this year mm-hmm. for sure with, with probably single digit totals and homers and steals. I do think maybe the single digit totals and homers and steals hurt you more right now because the steals are up, right? And the batting averages will be up. So right. what he did last year, hitting 316, but with very few homers, very few steals, very few RBIs. Like I think that's more of a problem. That's that's less valuable, I think, than it was a year ago. So I think I, I think I'm gonna still double down on Abreu and hope he gets his act together right now. Arias would for sure be the safe option there. He would be because he, he is be. going to do what he's going to do. He he's hit 294 or better in all of his major league seasons. He's he's going to hit 300 for you. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more first baseman here among this bunch. Uh, Christian Walker. So far, he's hitting uh, 186. He's got two home runs, nine RBI, five runs. I mean, the, the Diamondbacks are doing well. Walker though has not done well. And you know the thing is, uh, he's only had two barrels all year. He's not like running unlucky, hitting the ball hard and getting it caught or anything like that either. I know he's a streaky hitter. How worried are you about Christian Walker? Well, I thought at first you were going to ask me if I'd rather have him or Abreu, and my answer is going to be Abreu. Um, Okay. uh, Am I worried about Christian Walker? Yeah, I am. (laughs) A little bit, for Mm -hmm. sure. And I know he was popular in draft season, like a lot of really smart people who 
are smarter than me and are not me because I wasn't in on him really hmm. um, were in on Walker and that he was going to repeat what he did last year. Uh, I don't know. I see Walker as someone who's just been like way all over the map in his major league career, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it took him a little while to get, to get in. Like he had years where he barely played. And then all of a sudden in 2019, he's really good. And then the next year in the shortened season, he's like, meh, okay, but meh. And then the next year in 2021, he's terrible. And then last year he comes roaring back. He's just been all over the map. Like I just, I'm not, I don't really know what to expect from him right now. He, he will probably get this straightened out and hit about 30 home runs. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, like, I'm just not totally sure if we hit June 30th and Walker has an OPS of 700, like I won't be that surprised because he's had down years before. Yeah, he has. In the fact, that's was... the difference, sorry, between him and Arias for me is at least if I traded for Arias, at least I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I, I stayed away from Christian Walker last year because I was on him in two, uh, two years ago right. and he got let down. Yeah. By him. Uh, I always kind of grouped him and CJ Crone together. Uh, wow. Little outfield collision there. Yeah. Miles Straw and Jimenez there getting tangled up. Not a, really a collision, but a trip more than anything, which can be okay. just as bad. Jimenez got tripped up. But anyhow, sorry about that. Got distracted by daytime baseball. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah, you know, it, it's tough with Walker because he could go a two-month streak where he just carries you too. Uh, but yep. yeah, I, I get it there. A guy who we expected a whole lot of m- more out of so far is Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez isn't killing you. He's got the four stolen bases, hitting 290. So he's, he's not killing you, but anyways, but one homer so far, two barrels so far. Yeah, his heart, his, his batted ball profile last year wasn't amazing. To the point where Scott Jensad was talking about, you know, maybe taking, you know, maybe pushing him down below Kyle Tucker uh, if he if you're given that choice in a draft. Yeah, well, I mean, right now you can make that case for sure. I'm not worried about Ramirez. If we were drafting again, I would gladly take him in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think I'd gladly take him in the first half of the first round. Okay. Uh, how about 12 walks and five strikeouts? Is like that's an amazing that's, rate. So that far. is. So, so that's good. And that, I mean, and boost, so that boosts stolen bases too. So absolutely. Yeah. So as long as he's still a 20 something steel guy, which he seems like he's, like he's on pace to be that right now, for sure. Um, as long as he's still a 20 something steals guy, he was someone who should have, who projected to benefit from the lack of shifts. And so far he has his BABIP's up a bit. His batting average is up a bit. Obviously that's helped by the low strikeout rate, but yeah, it, like if he can be someone who hits around 290 and gets you 20, 25 steals um i think i'm willing to take my time on him and hope that the power comes around because the power hasn't really been in doubt in recent years 29 homers last year 36 the year before in the shortened season 17 was one of the best totals so he had the one blip in 2019 where he only hit 23 but he was hurt a bit that year the year before 39 the year before 29 his power has been the maybe the most consistent part of his profile so i think i'm willing to and he's not old right he's still just 30 so um, I'll, I'll, I would go full value for him. He is someone where if his, uh, manager wanted to sell low on him, even a little bit, like I would be interested in that. Yep. And, uh, I read that, uh, Cleveland is running in more cold weather than any other team in baseball okay. so far too. So that definitely doesn't help like the bad of all the ex- exit velocities, things of that nature there too. Uh, and case Salazar says like more push, like push up Kyle Tucker. Yeah. I could see that too. That's right. Yeah. If it's more about, yeah, just feeling like Kyle Tucker has already shown that, you know, with his 1,016 OPS, if he's already shown that he belongs 
that he sh- instead of being kind of he was kind of like the traditional pick six in mm-hmm. all of my all of our drafts this year pick six right. pick seven if he's shown that like he should have been is already showing he should have been counted in the top four or five uh, i totally get that if someone right now was going to say you know oh, i'd take him over ramirez now or or julio rodriguez or whatever i get that because he was knocking on the door to be in that group anyways yeah, I'd like to see him bat higher in Houston's lineup. Yeah, I've I mean, said that top for four. Year. I've said that for years. Like, yeah. I can't believe that he doesn't bat. Forget it. Yeah, at least in the top four, if not in the top three. He does have a couple games batting third this year, but a yeah. lot batting fifth. I don't get it. I I just have to assume that with their lineup maybe underachieving a bit that that right. finally straightens itself out. For sure. And yeah. you got to think, well, Abreu's earning that demotion single-handedly right now, just like Jeremy Pena did. And now Pena's hitting better lower in the yeah. lineup. So we'll see about that. Yeah. All right. One more slow starter, and then we'll hit some other topics here. Uh, Gunnar Henderson. Uh, you know, I, I we've talked a little bit about him so far. Really frustrating. He's hitting 178. He's got uh, one home run, two RBI, two, uh, one stolen base, and 12 runs at least. So he is, uh, you know, Getting on base a little yep. bit, but you know, it's just just the hard contacts not there. Two barrels so far this year, and he's losing some playing time already against lefties. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens with Henderson. I don't have any shares, so I feel like I'm pretty unbiased on him. Like, if you have shares of a guy, you know, you're going to find a way to spin this that he's going to stay up because you mm-hmm. need to believe that he's going to stay up. Um, he's walking a ton. Like he has a th- even with the bad batting average, he has a 373 OBP, which kind of screams like you can leave this guy in the majors. He's fine. But, right. and that's where the 12 runs scored come from. But when you see the 178 average with the 304 Babbitt, like his Babbitt's not low. And he, so he hasn't been that unlucky. It's, it's a lot of strikeouts. And like you said, like a poor batted ball profile. And yeah. he's, he's really young. Like he's a 2001 birth date. So, I like I could see a scenario like how how much longer even with a high OBP if he's still batting 178 in three weeks do they send him down for a little while just to get his confidence back I'm not saying he's down then for the year but maybe he's down for a month yeah or three, or three weeks or something get you get your back going again and we'll and we'll bring you back up a lot of blue on his Statcast page I'm yeah. looking at it right now hard hit percentage is light blue max exit velocity x slug is deep blue xba is deeper blue whiff percentage outs above average. The only thing it's red is his walk percentage, chase rate, and sprint speed. Like, yeah, okay. And actually, his exit velocity when he does make contact. But the problem is he's not making hard contact. That's just the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, li- so. Lineup spot will be interesting with him going forward, yep. too. Like, he batted fifth a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're starting to see some six, sevens, and eights. It would yep. make a lot of sense to take a rookie who's a huge part of your future. Um, and, you know, he's still because he is still eligible for rookie of the year. And who's uh, a huge part of your future and say – you know what? Let's take some pressure off this kid while he's struggling. Let's bat him eighth for a while. Yeah. And just and just tell him like just you know focus on being a good all around player and help the team from that spot. And when your back comes around, then we'll see where we want to go with it. But yeah, that I don't know. I'm I'm I'd be worried about him for sure. Yeah, I, I am that yeah. absolutely a little bit concerned yeah. about that. All right, um, let's move on. Uh, we'll talk about some of uh, the injured pitchers that we saw, some other topical news, a, a big call-up coming up too. But first, as always, have to take care of a little bit of business. We'll start off with our friends at Rival Fantasy. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played. And they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo, 
head-to-head player challenges and fantasy book where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, ri- entry Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code Rotowire MLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $20 to get your first entry on Rival Protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up the plate and become a Rival fan- Rival today. Welcome to the arena at Rival Fantasy. Again, that's uh, play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up code Rotowire MLB. Also, might be getting in the mood to going to a game. Baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team, live and in person. Plus, with vivid seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Pro reward tip, buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Finally, all of our uh, podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. As always, we play their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
got your happy price, Priceline. All right. Thank you for your indulgence with uh, business there. All righty. Let's uh, talk a little bit about some injuries. Everybody's favorite topic. Yeah. Three starting pitchers go down yesterday. Corbin Burns, Jacob deGrom, Hunter Green. Are you worried about the Corbin Burns injury? Um, yep. Like, like, like a little bit, aren't you? I, I, it seems yeah, like it's on the, I, too. I was going to say it's on the right side, but I don't want I don't like using that word in that way. It's on the correct side, the preferred side. It's actually on the left side, but it's on the preferred side where. You're such a handist. You're just a handist. Yeah. Us I just left-handers yeah, need a yeah. break here. But. I hate saying, yeah, I am a left-hander actually. Are um, you? So am I. I, 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 I write with my left hand. I throw with my right arm. So I don't know what you want to call You're weird. Me, I write with my left hand. So I call myself left-handed. <laughs> So I write and throw with my left hand, but I bat right-handed and uh, golf yeah. right-handed. I think that's okay. That's I think that's a fair amount of lefties. Yeah, do that. Anyways, yeah. So I don't like saying the word right unless it's in in when I talk about baseball, unless it's related to the left and the right. So anyways, mm-hmm. it's on the the preferred side or the correct side for him to have less of an issue. Um, it's the left pectoral strain for a right-hander, and he may make his next start. He's not off to a good start this year. He doesn't need this on top of everything else. So yeah, I'm a little bit worried. Like it's just, I, I, if you were hoping, if you have Burns as a first round pick and you were hoping for him to like instantly get right back on track, maybe have a couple like seven shutout inning starts, pulls ratios right back to where you wanted them. Now I'm a little more skeptical that that'll happen right away. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I don't know if I'm selling low on Burns. So at this point, I think, I do think Burns is the type of player who, if you've already invested in him, I think he's the type of player who can have a dominant stretch and pull his ratios like right to where you want them. So I, I think I'm, I'm still, still in if I started it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and you know what? I, 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 I've got Burns in some spots. He was, he was looking better. You know, he had the great start right. in Arizona. I was like, okay, he's coming around. Uh, this hurts. This definitely hurts. And yeah. the way the, the Brewers downplayed uh, Brandon Woodruff's injury and then, Oh yeah, it's a yeah. couple months. I'm obviously I'm my, my radar is up on this one here. Yeah. Like you said, that Arizona start was encouraging and you were, and you thought to yourself like, okay, here we go. Now he's going to be fine. A couple more of those, all of a sudden the ERAs and the threes and here we go. This is what I wanted. But um, yeah, I'm a little concerned about that. I I'm not concerned. The Woodruff thing to me, I don't know. I, we talked about the Rays a couple weeks ago about how they do an amazing job with pitchers in all areas, except keeping them healthy. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know if there are organizations totally that I trust to keep their pitchers healthy. There's organizations that I think help their pitchers to be successful when they are healthy. I don't know if there's really, are there organizations where you think like if the guy goes there, he'll stay healthy? No, or, I or don't. Where you're like, he won't. I, I think that more like they'll be more honest with us perhaps. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the way the Woodruff news came down has, is not settled well with you. Yeah, the funny thing is the Brewers are kind of one of the franchises I don't it's they're not like the the LOL Mets or anything yeah. like that when it comes yeah, that's to That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Right. You know, I I don't, you know, and there's other teams too that seem like they're cursed or at least it seem like they do things incorrectly. The, the Brewers don't strike me as that. But yeah, yeah. I did I, I did feel a little like that 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 injury uh, with Woodruff left me a little salty for sure. So, uh, we'll see. Um Compare that to Jacob Degrom, who left with some wrist soreness. What what say you on Jacob Degrom, who had left with a no hitter? Yeah, um, if that doesn't just 
encapsulate Jacob deGrom's career or last few years of his career right there, leaving with a no-hitter with a sore wrist. Um, he's so good, but then these little things crop up. I'm not worried at, at this point. I'm not worried. He doesn't have a history. He does not have a history of wrist issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know they're going to treat him with kid gloves this year. Uh, he has a 32 to three strikeout to walk. I, I'm not worried. I okay. think I'm, I think I'm just for now full steam ahead with him. And, and I don't think I'm being swayed. I have him in labor, but not in any of my other leagues. So I don't think I'm being swayed by investments in him and just wanting to believe that he's fine. I just, I don't know. He hasn't had wrist issue. If this was like a, little bit of a shoulder problem i would freak out but that's not what it is so i think right. i'm okay for now he, and he, so even, he, he even said i believe it was it was it was him or someone with the team said like they just wanted to be careful because they didn't want to let the sore wrist cause him to then change his knowing all the injuries he's had right to cause him to change his mechanics and all of a sudden the next day it's the shoulder or his back or something like that, because he changed his mechanics to compensate for the wrist. So let's just get him out and then do everything next start. Hopefully the correct, like the way he should. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, I, and the thing is I played DraftKings last night. I usually I play on tout night, uh, the trout daily contest that we have, but, uh, I decided, okay, I'm just, I feel, let's feel, feel, feel a little, uh, you know, felt the yen. Who did I use? Burns. And Degrom. <laughs> now I didn't get negative. It's not like hey, no. it could have been worse. I could have used yep. Gossman. Yep. I could have used. Well, I couldn't have used Brian Bale because I was during the day. But you know what I'm saying. I could have. Yep. It could have been a lot worse. But no, no pitching is always better than bad pitching. That's yeah. the in the world of hitting. Generally, just having your players play is the key. Even mm-hmm. bad hitting, you're like, well, whatever. It'll, it'll straighten itself out tomorrow. Um, in the world of pitching, though, definitely no pitching is better than bad pitching. Exactly. Yeah. I did use bad hitters, unfortunately. Like Mookie okay. Betts did very little. Uh, Chris Taylor got hurt. I, I used like three or four Dodgers against David Peterson. So, of course, it was the lefty Freddie Freeman that went home, went yeah. deep against him instead. So, good job, Jeff. This is why I'm not a DFS pro, among many other reasons. It's just I'm not very good at timing the market. Uh, the third pitcher injury yesterday was Hunter Green. Took a ground ball off uh, his leg. Uh, he had his, you know, e- x-rays on his tibia were negative. Looks like he'll make his next start. Um the injury in and of itself doesn't concern me too much. It was noteworthy that his velocity was down three or four miles an hour yesterday and he was throwing fewer fastballs, but it was also really cold. And I think, mm-hmm. I think there's a correlation there. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying not worried on Hunter green. I, w- I don't have any Hunter green. I wasn't really in on him coming into the season, but he's done well mm-hmm. so far. Um, he has no wins. I still think that just pitching for the reds is a real uphill battle this year. It is. So, I mean, he had, now he also, he's only had one start where he even could qualify for a win. Um, then that, losing that one, five, four to Atlanta. So, but either way, I just think the win total is going to be really low for him this year. But if you were in on, on Hunter green, good, you stay in now, like, or don't, don't come out because of this. That's for sure. Yeah. The latest on him is he's going to have his next start pushed back a day. Okay. Uh, so we'll get an extra day of rest. Levi stout is going to make his debut tomorrow on a spot start. Luke Weaver, yay! It's going to be activated from the IL to pitch on Thursday. Don't worry, guys. Luke Weaver's here. We're good. All right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he he of the career four seven nine ERA, which was yeah. mostly built up earlier in his career. That four seven nine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, well, there you but, go. If you're playing DFS tomorrow, go after Luke Weaver. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thursday. But uh, sorry, Thursday. My bad. Go after Luke Weaver with with your hitters. Yeah, with the Pirates. Yeah. Um, who are kind of. Okay, I've been 
fine so yeah. far offensively. Not great. Uh, are, wait, are the Pirates okay? I don't think they really are. Like, I don't think this is a team that is okay in July, right? No, I don't. And, and when I say they've been okay, that means they're not bottom five. Yeah. Um, in fact, they're 18th in WRC plus so far this season. So okay. here's a little trivia for you. I did a little bit of this on Twitter. Um, Tampa Bay is first in WRC plus by a wide, wide, wide margin. Okay. Who's second? Who's second in WRC? And by a pretty comfortable margin over the third place team. So it's got to be someone, if you're asking me, it's like, it's got to be someone unusual. Yeah, it's um, a little unusual for sure. Because I was going to say like the Braves. Braves are third. Okay. Okay. Fourth, fourth actually. Oh, actually. They only fourth. scored two runs yesterday, but yeah. Okay. So who is second in WRC plus? Dead air is not great for a podcast. Right. Um, I'll narrow it down. American League. American League. Um, I'm trying to think of some teams that have had some like, really high scoring game baltimore it is baltimore let's go i'm never good at trivia guessing games like that yeah. never good <laughs> I, so this is a big win for me i might hold this all night now yeah um if the leafs win if this if i got that right and the leafs win in a few hours this is a great day for me all right um, anyways what i was gonna say is the reason i picked baltimore scott would love this is I thought back and thought, oh, they faced the A's. Yes, that was, thing. that was my thing. I was like, I was like, oh, they faced the A's, and I swear they scored. I swear they scored at least eight runs every game. So in this shortened season, yes, that was that was how I did. When I was going through the teams in my head, I was actually going through the A's schedule in my head. Yeah, Rays and O's. There you go on the road, no less too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, because that, that series, the A's scored in that series too. That that series was was wild. So yeah, a lot of runs on both sides. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It should come as no surprise that the Royals are last and the Tigers are second to last. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, Rockies third to last. Uh, little. If you look at their lineup, you're not surprised, but you think, oh, Coors Field, how could they be so low? But they're they're bad. They're the really bad. Peak Coors is in April. That's I find usually what it was for the Pirates yesterday. But generally, mm-hmm. I find peak. I don't know. I this is anecdotal. I don't have it, the numbers in front of me to back it up. But I I find April is not peak Coors. Benefit. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. caused me to start Miles Michaelis there in one league last week, and that didn't go well. So I should. Oh, so who am I to talk? It wasn't that oh. terrible, but it wasn't good, and I probably shouldn't have done it. But um, I do find that April's not peak Coors. I still think the Rockies by the end of the season will have. I'll say I'll say if you sort by the end of the season by OPS at home or WRC plus at home that they'll be in the top five. Yeah, six, thanks to Coors. Yeah, and yeah, then and then right. bot and then bottom one on the road, maybe bottom yeah. two. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, that sounds about right. Same thing. Same thing as always when they don't the years they don't have a good lineup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They should yeah. be leading the league every year, um, and they're not. If they yeah, the years they have a good lineup, they lead the league at home and they're mid pack or a little worse on the road. And then when they yeah. have a bad lineup, they're still pretty good at home. And then they're abysmal on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little uh, bullpens. Uh, okay. Speaking of the Rockies, Daniel Bard could be coming back. Yeah, I think. Today so I was even, right. So is he the, I, I don't know if he's the closer right from his first outing. Um, like he was on the IL with anxiety, not, mm-hmm. not like a sore shoulder. So it might make sense if like just thinking about managing people, it might make sense if I manage the Rockies to not put him in a safe situation for, I would think if I brought a guy back from anxiety, his first outing, 
would be in a game that's like eight to one or something like that. And let's just get in there and throw strikes and feel good. And that, but I think he can be their closer, but I, I would, I would want him to have two or three low leverage outings first. So I think my stance on Bard is I would pick him up. I would bench him and I'd see how the next week or two goes. So I have two leagues with Pierce Johnson and okay. I left him in this week. I could see that. I would take I, him in this week. Yeah. I have one league with, uh, with Bard, uh, kind of with some regrets. It was that February league that, of course it was our labor league that we're in together there, uh, okay. because I got everybody that got hurt. That's um, right. and I think I left him on the IL this week. I didn't like preemptively activate him, uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, he's still on my IL this week. With Pierce Johnson, um, he's walked five batters in five and two thirds innings, so he hasn't blown any saves. But w- when you look at his indicators, like he hasn't done much to say, "Hey guys, leave me in the ninth inning." <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. So I think Bard, if he pitches well two or three times out, he gets to go back in the ninth inning, and he was good in that role last year. Like if he's available, I'm going to bid on him in any of my mm-hmm. leagues on Sunday. Um, by the way, in that labor league, I am surprised. I feel like all of your pitchers almost have been injured. And then I look in and see that you traded away a pitcher. I, yeah. I, I like it. You liked the trade for value. It's April. Like you liked the player you were getting Mateo over the yeah. player you were giving up Giolito. I think that more people need to do that. That's, that is a creative approach to trading. It's April. You can now make additional trades where you trade away a hitter to get a pitcher. If you think that's what you need, but I like how you weren't, you didn't let your hands be tied by the fact that like seven of your pitchers have been hurt already. Yeah. Say, and the amazing thing is I have 20 more pitching points than I have hitting points. There right you go. Yeah. Well, and, and the background is I lost O'Neill Cruz and Corey Seager within three days of each other. That's fine. Uh, that, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt has one home run. Uh, Jose Miranda does not have a homer so far this year. Uh, Tristan Cassis has been terrible. Jordan Alvarez is fine. I like, or, or, I like him. We'll keep him. Uh, Jake McCarthy is a big slumper so far, oh, and I probably should have so known that. frustrating. Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm I, very worried. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I'm not getting any steals or power. So at least with Mateo, I can get some, get some speed. Yeah. Uh, and so we, I, t- I took the chance. I off, you know, so Joe, I think I've, I lamented my Cruz and Seager combo enough times. So Joe's like, you know, I've got a lightly used uh, Jorge Mateo here. Um, and he wants to trade for value too. So, you know, I offered Giolito after some consternation and he came back and tried to get uh, Jesus Lazardo from me. And I said, no, on that pretty quickly. Uh, even though Lazardo wasn't good yesterday, I'm still I'm I'm happy with that decision. I do still like Giolito, but I think he's still trying to find it a little bit. Yeah, it's a for me it was a really cool, fun trade because I don't know how to value either one of like it's tough to value both of these guys. Like Giolito right. has a really good 16 to three strikeout to walk, but he also has a six ERA, so so that's not good. And then and a 1.67, I think it is WHIP. So yeah, 1.67, that's not good either. So like he's been good on his service stats are bad. His under his stats under them. They're, they're kind of solid. And then Mateo has been, and then Mateo has been awesome, but like from a hitting perspective was not, has not been a very good hitter in his career. So are we taking two weeks or, or are we taking the whole career? He's still young enough that maybe he's figured something out a bit. I don't don't think he's figured anything. You don't need him to keep having an a thousand OPS to stay, to be really valuable in fantasy. You just need him to play well enough to stay in the lineup every day. Right. That's it. I, and I'm I'm just trying to gain day. seven points of steals. Yep, that's that's all I'm trying to do here. And yeah, 
you know, uh, yeah. I, and it, it, I felt like there was a, I can find pitchers on the waiver wire all throughout the season. I can't find yeah. shortstops on the waiver wire all throughout the season. There are some that I could pick up and I did actually pick up another one too, but like Zach Neto was available. I didn't, but it allowed me to be kind of a little calmer on my pickups there. I did pick up JP Crawford just to have another shortstop eligible guy, which might turn out to be prescient because Chris Taylor got hurt last night. So we'll see about him. Uh, Chris Taylor is a very odd duck, by the way, this year. Four homers. Yay. Hitting 125 with 18 strikeouts. Not yay. Uh, and and not everything on the Dodgers has turned to gold this year. So no. Uh, so I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I They're the Dodgers. I still think they'll come around. But I'm not 100% sure that Chris Taylor is actually really good. He, he's, he's a cool guy for the Dodgers because he can play like five positions. And that helps over a long season in a real baseball sense. But. He also hit 221 with a 677 OPS last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a exactly. lot of he had some years way early in his career where he wasn't very good. He said had some good years with the Dodgers, but again, his value to the Dodgers is accentuated by the fact that he can play a lot of positions, which yeah. does not really it helps us in fantasy and where we put him in the lineup, but it doesn't get us any fantasy points. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um. Let's talk a little bit about uh, we're, we're talking closers here. How about uh, Andrew Chafin? Full-time closer? Close. I'd say I'd say close. I'd say not full-time closer because there will be some situations where uh, it just makes total sense to use him in the eighth inning. You know, you have, you have a, a couple great left-handed bats coming up in the eighth inning and, and they say, let's use him here. But I would say he's uh, close. I'm trying to think of someone to compare him to off the top of my head and I can't come up with someone, but I'd say he's close to a full-time closer. Yeah, they're going to use him at times in the seventh and eighth when there's key lefties coming up or just a key situation. Uh, they really need Joe Mantiply back to give him another option, mm-hmm. you know, because right now they don't tra- trust Scott McGuff or really anybody else. Um, so Chafin's kind of their fireman. I'll set an under over on Andrew Chafin sh- saves this year at 24. Which way do you want to go? Uh, slightly under. I was setting mine at 21. Okay. Okay. I picked him up in a couple of places and I'm very happy to have him. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pegging the diamondbacks as not the quality of a team that will trade for a closer. So I'm thinking like the bullpen you see is kind of the bullpen you get Mm -hmm. for them this year. Like if they were a great team, I'd say, well, there's a pretty good chance that by August he's back to a setup role and they've traded for some other team's closer for a playoff run. I just don't see that. So I think this is, is what it is as far as their bullpen goes. So, yeah, I mean, we're both seeing it similarly. Maybe I, I said it at 24. We're both seeing like other relievers, maybe get whatever a dozen saves. He he gets two thirds of the saves. The other relievers get a third, something like that. Right. Yeah. Which nowadays is, is a closer. It's not, it's not, it's not quite, like it's not quite Emmanuel Classe, it's not quite Kenley Jansen, but that's what a closer is on a lot of teams nowadays. It is, it is. Yeah. Okay, Braves. Let's talk Braves. They've won seven in a row. They they provide save opportunities. A- AJ Minter Minter is coming. Just got his fourth save. Uh, Rizzo Iglesias isn't. He's throwing. He's he's throwing, throwing through a bullpen session know? yesterday. That's right. Okay, he's throwing a bullpen sessions. So what do you think as a reliever throwing a bullpen sessions? Three weeks away. He didn't play. He hasn't played yet this year. Like he didn't get a full spring training in three weeks away. At least two. Yeah. At least two. I, I'm thinking I'm yeah. Yeah. Right. He could go out on a rehab assignment maybe by 
the end of the week. Because he's a reliever, it takes yeah. it's short. It's not like he needs to get stretched out to be able to throw two innings, three innings at a time, you know? Yeah. Um, let alone six, you know, well, like a starter. Yeah. So, yeah, probably three, but possibility of two. I put it in that range for sure. Barring setbacks, of course. Uh, I will say this. I'm going to throw other one, one other name out while we're talking about, uh, you know, Minter and Iglesias. Have you seen what uh, Nick Anderson's done so far? Yep. I have Nick Anderson on my Tout Wars team. Oh, good. Isn't that kind of random? Not random. I picked him, but I'm saying like round, it's draft and hold. Like I'm saying like round 45-ish. Yeah. Round 43. I'll, I don't know. As I was scouring through relievers late, he was sitting there. I did some reading on him. You know, everybody, I don't have to tell most people listening to this, <laughs> Nick Anderson used to be awesome. Yep. <laughs> right. 2019, 110 strikeouts and 18 walks and 65 innings. Yep. So I knew he was healthy. I knew he was competing for a spot in the Braves at the time. The plan was for him to open the season in the minors. I was like, that won't last long if he's good in this, this baseball era, every team, you know, has reliever injuries. So right. anyway, so I grabbed him. He has one save. He has been their maybe their best. He's probably been their best reliever so far, like 11 strikeouts and one walk and seven and two thirds. Minter's yep. been really good. Minter's their guy. Like I picked up Minter in a league or two when Iglesias was out because I just felt like last year when they needed a closer at one point that they just went straight to Minter and I felt like they would do that again. And they have, mm-hmm. um, but Nick Anderson could be their best reliever. Yeah. He, he's really good. Um, yeah. It just, it just, it gives them that depth. It gives them, the opportunity to kind of ease Iglesias in for that matter yeah. too, if they want to. Yeah. Like peak Nick Anderson is like his best year or two is about as good as any reliever that's currently in baseball's best year or two. Like in the strike shortened season, he had, he gave up one run. So he had yeah. 26 strikeouts and three walks and gave up one run. He had a 0.55 ERA. Like he, yeah, him, him at his absolute best is, is really, really good. And we've seen this before with some of these guys. If you're really good, even if you have a major injury and you miss a lot of time, you know, he's only, he's, he's older than I thought he was at, you know, before I looked him up when I was drafting him, but he's 32, mm-hmm. totally young enough to have several good reliever years still. Yeah. Yep. He could, he could be their best reliever. I'm not picking him up yet in a regular fantasy league, but I'm not totally ruling it out either. I'll wait and see kind of what his leverage role is soon like i still think minter's kind of he's the guy and then when glacius comes back he's the next guy but i want to see where anderson fits in and all that i agree yeah you got news coming out of tampa bay unfortunately jeffrey springs is going to undergo tommy john surgery oh. so this escalated really quickly as kev masarajan said in my group chat uh, uh i mean scarf it's uh, one of our leagues together there um and southern california area rotisserie fantasy i don't know i don't know how what its scarf stands for but there's a barf there's a scarf there's a nerf it's all these leagues together we're the southern california version anyhow uh so he mentioned that there but uh bad news uh with springs who was looking so good in those three starts ah gross uh that yeah that's a bad one i think i have one share of springs um at least it's a cut and now i don't spend a long time like having holding them on my il for you know and then they tell you this in six weeks but um i'm gonna leave yeah. them on my labor il just for like oh yeah you gotta cheat to cheer the team on uh, posterity's sake there just to remember him yeah you just want him around the clubhouse i've done that with a lot of players in, in labor and in tote wars over the years if he's so, a good guy and he and he felt like he was a good part of the team before i got hurt just want him around the clubhouse yeah it's yeah. it's it's a tough look though because i start you know i started with verlander and then i waited for a while on starting pitchers 
Right. Got Giolito, Luzardo, and Springs. Traded away Giolito already, so it's not, and now I, I'm down to Luzardo, and yet I'm still trading away starters. <sighs> go figure. But yeah, eh, big, you know, big news for big news for those who invested heavily in Taj Bradley. I was not one of them, but now the runway is pretty clear for him, right? Yeah. Like, for well, Glassnow's coming back, and uh, Eflin's coming back, so. He's yeah. still got to kind of earn it, but yesterday's result with Jalen Beeks on the mound yeah. might encourage the Rays to stick with Bradley a little longer too. I mean, so. yeah, and I mean, if you're basically SP six in your organization, and SP five is Glass now, who's still weeks away, and SP four is Eflin, who's still on the IL. I just got to think that somehow things shake out so that he can. I agree. Someone else will be hurt, but. Like, I think I did not get any Bradley. I should, I think I should have bid more heavily. Most of the places where he was bid on in my leagues, like I saw where you want him in the AL league. I thought that was a very, very fair price in an AL league. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the prices in most of my mixed leagues were almost like your price in the AL league. Same, same. And I just, I just, I, I will go higher on a starting pitcher, I think, than you will. I know you've said kind of like you don't like to go too high on a starting pitcher. I will go higher, but. I don't know. I, maybe I should have. The height that they went to when we're talking like 250, 280, 300. I, I, I don't know if I, I, I very, very rarely ever gone there on a starting pitcher. And it's tough to trust the race because, I mean, let's face it, they sent Bradley down after his one start, even yes. though it looked like there's going to be a new for part a of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And what plan will they have to manage Bradley's in, in innings this year? So, yeah, I just didn't go that high. I don't know if I fully regret it, but if you did take the plunge, I mean, now I like I said, I think it, there's a chance that his talent can take over, and he can have and he can have that spot the whole way. And we'll see where all this goes with the race. Like that, we already brought up now a couple times. You know, injuries to their pitchers. They look like such a good team right now. But even the Rays, there has to be some amount of pitching injuries they can take and still go along at this level. And they've just lost one of their best pitchers for the season. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, we talked talked about Bradley. Let's talk about two other uh, call ups. One that's made the gotten the call has already played a game, and that Brett that's Brett Beatty. Uh, the other is uh, Oakland is going to get the call for Mason Miller. Uh, let's start with Beatty first, and then we'll talk a little Miller. Um, I'm optimistic. I listened to you and Scott talk about Beatty yesterday. I feel pretty much the same way you guys do. I think this kid is a like a good all-around hitter he can get on base there's some power there as far as fantasy goes there's not really base stealing he'd already stolen a couple in AAA this year in his first nine games but he only stole two last year six the year before so there's not much even with the enhanced rules I don't think he's more than like a five steal guy in the majors but but there's some pop there's some ability to hit for average the Mets have a good lineup I know he batted eighth right off the top that's kind of like what I was saying about Gunnar Henderson like I feel like maybe the Mets have enough star players that you just stick them there. But if he's hitting well, I think he could easily bat fifth or something in the lineup. Uh, I think there's uh, some similarity between he and Michael Harris, who batted ninth for a good chunk of the year for the Braves yeah. last year and still had provided yeah. a lot of value. Yeah. Harris has the steals, right. That Beatty's not going to have, but correct. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I have only one share of Beatty. I picked him up in one NFBC league the week mm-hmm. before or 10, 10 days or the week before he got called up. So he, he had someone had dropped him in the first fab run. And I was like, Oh, I'll throw like 40 bucks at him and see if I can stash him until nice. Uh, yeah. Which has worked out. Well, it's worked out and then he's up. We'll see how he plays, but right. I'm pretty excited about that. I just think he's someone who can stay the whole time. They have a clear Eduardo Escobar. Can't do it. Yeah. Like the game theory was good. You, you got the game theory, right? Now we'll see if yeah. we got. The yeah. Right. 
I just yeah. think with Escobar, like there's no coming back now. They gave Escobar with Escobar. There was this whole narrative that he had the off field problems last year and he, his head would be clear this year and he mm-hmm. would, would be good again. But I think it was clear right from spring training and at the start of the season that I think he's just done. I, I don't think he's a good player anymore. Forget the off field stuff. He, I don't still think he, I just don't think he has it anymore. He can be a backup infielder for them. Right. I, I just don't think he can be an everyday player on a playoff team anymore. Beatty, Beatty, right. Beatty can be. The Mets are obviously going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have Beatty than Francisco Alvarez, who got some massive bids in Fab a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I think I think Beatty could be there now the whole season. So the league where I have Beatty, I drafted him. Uh, ba- yeah. Live Vegas main event, uh, NFPC main event. And I, 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 I almost cut him. And then I got talked out of it by my by Tim Schuler, my partner, and by Scott Jenstad. They were both had more sense than I did in that situation. But it's frustrating to hold that spot. You know, you yep. got to hold that spot while you're waiting. Like, is he going to be down for two months? Is he going to be down for two weeks? And it was closer to two weeks. Uh, so that was good, at least. Um, Mason Miller going to get the call for the uh, A's. And he's been really good so far. The A's have been really bad. 135 runs allowed so far this year. Uh, worst in baseball by over 30 runs to the next, next to next team. It's, it's a really awful pitching staff. He can def there's definitely room for him, but how's he going to fare? And you know, is, is it, it's, it's like drafting Reds pitchers. I mean, you just, you're not going to get a whole lot of support there. That's right. That, that'd be my concern with him. Like he, he definitely looks like a good young pitcher. His minor league numbers are excellent. Well, 53 strikeouts in 28 and two thirds career minor league innings. That's pretty good. But two strikeouts an inning, not bad. So there's definitely plenty of upside there. It's how well can he do with the, uh, with the A's and how bad that team is. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to look at, so I'm not super familiar on Miller because he was just called up. Well, just hasn't even been called up. The story of him getting called up just came out this afternoon, but he only threw 14 innings in the minors last season. So I just need to look at, you know, what, ha- what, what kind of innings total do I think he'll be allowed to log this right. year? Right. That's a good concern. It's going to be something where, he's up like they don't care the a's absolutely don't care at this point like it's just gonna be something where they let him run with a job in the majors for a while and then shut him down like really really early but yeah. either way pitching has been so hard to come by effective pitching this year that if he's an effective pitcher i want him it's just a matter of when we get to fab next weekend so much of it will be driven by how he fares on wednesday um, right. if he fares well though and the bids are like two hundred dollars like I am i know. willing to pay two hundred dollars for an oakland A's pitcher i don't think so Answer is clear no for me there. Yeah. Um, Would I pay a hundred if he looked good on Wednesday? Maybe. maybe. Like, like let's say on Wednesday he goes out and he throws five innings and he gets seven strikeouts and gives up a run or two. Like good start. Would you go to, would you give him a hundred? Probably not still. He's 25 years old. He missed five months last year with a shoulder issue. Yeah. Uh, And he's an A's pitcher. I think no, you're right. I think no. I think even if he starts well, the strikeout potential is just so great, but I worry about the innings potential so much that I think the the best I'm doing is throwing, um, like in, if he had a good start, maybe I'm throwing a keep you honest bit of, of yeah. 40 bucks or something to make sure. There's two Classic Fred second place bid. So, yeah. so actually I, I can, and this is my word of the day, I can parse this out for you. As I said earlier, there you go. He's using it one more time. Um, the di- I, there's a difference between for me between and keep you honest bid and a finished second place bid. The keep you honest bid is just 
I don't want anyone stealing Mason Miller in my league for 10 bucks. So I'm going to throw 40 at him because I'm just going to keep you honest. My second place bid is more of a, like, I actually want this guy. I just want to be careful that I don't overpay for him. So I'm going to bid like $80 on Mason Miller. And if someone wants to go over 80, I don't care, but I'm, but I actually do want them. So that there's my differentiation between I keep you on Like, like last weekend, I keep you honest on Taj, Taj Bradley was probably like eight seventy five eighty, but I like, I want him, but I'm not willing to go overboard was probably more like 130 or something like that. So 120, 130, same as Zach Nito last Sunday. Like I'd say my keep you honest on him was probably like 20. 25 like i just don't want anyone getting a full-time player possibly for for nothing and then but if i wanted them or then my second place bid target would have been more like 70 something like that and then i'm like well if someone wants to pay 100 bucks they can have them yeah yeah anyways there's a now i now i just parsed out the difference for me between a keep you honest and a try to finish second bid all right i like it yeah like it try to keep try to get second is actually hoping you win whenever you are you're hoping you win you're just not you hope you win you're just not desperate so you're not going to just throw there and then there's moments where i'm just desperate like a a new closer has emerged i have no closer i'm throwing 250 at him and i want to win so that's yeah i i I hope to finish second means i want this player but i'm not desperate enough i'm not going to lose lose my judgment all right yeah. Very good. I think that's a good way to finish, by the way, today. I think that's a good closing point. Uh, I know there's other names on our outline, but there's always other names on our always outline. Always other names. So much yeah. going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We have lineups to set, plays, play, you know, Lance Lynn to react to being stinky again, you know, things like that. So there you go. Um, think big thanks to our, our sponsors. Uh, appreciate them coming aboard for uh, both Vivid Seats as well as uh, R- Rival Fantasy. We appreciate their sponsorship as always. Uh, thank you guys for listening. James Anderson will be back you tomorrow, and then I'll have a guest to be named later for Thursday. Thanks for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.